0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast, my name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do with the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal and sometimes weird folk music as we'll get to. Um, how are we all doing? Are we all doing grand? Um, I, You wouldn't be able to tell, like in, uh, video podcast watchers, uh, you wouldn't be able to tell, my hair is like this really shit blonde green mess which feels so dead and dry and I'm too scared to put more dye on it. Um I I look like what's the guy from Pierce of vale? Is it Vic Fuentes? Or is that Sleeping with Sirens? No, it's Pierce of vale. I look like his like hobo chic younger brother that they don't let out or they don't let come round at Christmas. Um the fucking usually I've got my hair like, shaved at the sides, and it's all fucking long, and you can see my awful hairline, um, but it is so grey, it's so fucking grey, I'm an old man, apparently, at 25, It's bullshit, but other than that, it's grand, um, it's not, we'll get to it at the very end of the show, because we want to talk about music first. Coming up this week, we're going to be looking at albums from, stop it, comput- Computer, Computer, we are looking at albums from Trivium. This place is a zoo. Ye banished privateers. But we're going to start with Enter Shikari. And their sixth studio album. Nothing is true and everything is possible. Uh, yeah. Sixth studio album there from St. Albans in the United Kingdom of England. Um, and it's quite the fascinating rise for Shikari. When you like looking at the discography... Starting on Take Disguise and Common Dreads are very like to me, if you look at them or you listen to them, you would think that they are um two like cult releases or like a cult following releases and the band just sort of like faded away once that sort of um, that kind of music sort of fills the way to, like electronica post hardcore stuff that was really, really, really popular. Um, mid to late noughties. But the fact that they are now one of like the biggest British bands going, um, they've adapted their like very raucous electro hardcore um, sound into this very like electro pop rocky sort of thing. And you know, like for me personally, I've listened to. I think the only album that I haven't listened to is the Mind Sweep. Somehow, I'm completely missed it. Um, but yeah, it, I just think it's really fascinating to look at the evolution of the sound going from again that really really intense um or to up until the spark where spark feel felt like such a big gap between um like stylistically stylistically between albums because the spark was very electro poppy um a lot of the rock elements were pulled back and for good or for worse i thought when the spark came out i quite enjoyed it um for what it was looking back on it and I think, oh yeah, this song was great. And I listened to it again and I was like, ooh. Maybe it's not quite as good as I remember. But there's still moments on it. I think I've got the complete opposite with the Flash for of Colour. I remember really not liking it when it first came out. And now it's potentially my favourite Shikari album. Um, and yeah, for whatever reason, I completely missed the Mind Sweep. I think because at the time I hated Flashford so much, I just said, this, I was I'm done. Um... And then for whatever reason I changed my mind on Spark of all albums. Um for Everything Is True and Nothing Is Possible, I kind of feel like it is a more it'd feel more natural sitting in between Flash Flood and the Spark. Um. At the moment, I say it, a lot of this is gonna be without the context of the Mind Sweep as well. But a lot of it is going from Flash Flood, the Sweep, where you've got it's very alternative rock with like the embers of their post-hardcore past creeping in every now and again with a lot of electronic and a lot of dubstep and um, drum and bass and things like that and then if they went from that into nothing is true where it's very much um, sort of like a half and half between the alternative rock and the electronic stuff and then you go into spark which is very very electronic that feels like a more natural progression of the sound for what they look like they want to go to I feel like they want to go a bit more electronica these days um but the way it looks now was going from flash flood and then mind sweep into the very electronica um heavy spark and then when they saw that it was very fifty fifty divide between people who hated it and um loathed it, they were like let's let's bring it back a bit and then work our way back again um with nothing is true and you know, they at least they haven't done a suicide silence and gone straight back to um, mind or flash flood or even like common dreads or something like that. One of the first things, like, so listen to the album, um, to this album. One of the things that really started getting me was the drums. Um, it feels very like electronic music-based drums, even though th- the I don't know if he's using electronic drum kit or still using um, an acoustic one. But the vibes, I kept going off it because the way the drums hit, it's not just a bang. It's a thop. It's a build before it's hit. It reminded me a lot of Sleep Token. And I know Sleep Token has got loads of like modern pop influence in in the music. So is that style of drumming just like the norm for modern pop, I just completely missed it because I don't listen to that much modern pop anymore. Well, ever. But especially now when I don't have older sisters to dominate the TV. And I, there are times where it really, really helps music, that kind of like thop kind of drumming. Um, it adds a lot of depth to songs like The Great Unknown, uh, Tina, and Satellites. I think they work really well. And for me, those songs are probably the highlights of the album. Uh, Tina is one of the big uh, one, yes. Tina is one of the more rockier songs on the album um, the electronic parts feel more old school to Shikari it feels like they're borrowing a lot of like, the electronic ideas and electronic sounds that we're using for Take Disguise and Common Dreads it's not a bad thing those albums are a lot of fun Satellites has like this really brilliant chorus, so, like the bursts of electronics with the drums Rue sounds great I, initially, I want to call it a swell, and I love I love me some swells, swell and just gets me. Uh, but it's not quite that. It's just like a peak of the wall of sound, and I think it just works uh, really well. Another song I want to point out is like the two part marionettes song. I just think that's really good. I think a lot of Shikari songs. I always see them as like a collection of songs rather than one fluid album, and this the same. It is a A few songs for me. Um, But going from Marionettes, like the part one to part two, obviously they're next to each other. It it could have just been one big song. I completely understand why they split it into two because most modern um, music fans won't want to listen to like a, a standalone nine minute song. But if you split it in half, I can't comment. I fucking hate overlong songs. So Hypocrite. For me though, marionettes is very cinematic it feels very um dramatic and it feels like there's a big uh, event happening with the song it's a to me it's a fantastic showcase of their electronics electronic side i need to find a better word for electronic um and i feel like it does that better than anything the spark did like i said i quite like the spark when it came out it's filtered off a little bit for me um but if you want to show off what uh shikari can do with all their electronic stuff. I feel like Marionette's two-parter has done it a lot better than what Spark did. Um, Definitely though, the star for me for the album is uh, The Great Unknown, the opener of the album. Again, I'd still say it's very sleep-token-y in its drums. Um, I'm going to use the example of Sugar, purely because it came on my shuffle the other day, and I fucking love that song. Um... But the way the drums hit, and like it's a smash of drums, and then it's the rhythm. And then it's a smash of drums, and then it's the rhythm. Remind me a lot of that. In, um, a lot of Sleep Token stuff in that regard. And yeah, I just don't know if it is like a modern thing now to have. Anytime you've got a pop influence on a rock record, or just pop in general. That's what they do to add a bit more depth, and add a bit of character to the music. That like... Stop, apparently, as I want to describe it. Um, yeah, Great Unknown is a fucking belter of a song. I had really high hopes on the album based on just that. Because um, the the first song I listened to from... Because obviously they released a bunch of singles beforehand. Dreamer's Hotel, I wasn't keen on. That was the only one I listened to because I try to listen to one. And then as soon as they say, our album's coming out at this date, I try to stop listening to what comes after. I want to get the whole piece. Um... Yeah, Dreamers Hotel. At first, I thought was quite. It was just very. It was just there. It felt like a B side from Flash for the Color. Um, it's a song that's grown to me since. But yeah, going into the Great Unknown, I thought, fucking hell, this this is the song. Um, and they that this I think it did eventually get released as a single, but this should have been like the lead. Um, this should have been a song to get everyone talk about holy shit, this new Shikara song coming out, and like go from there. But Personal preference, preference at the end of the day, There, So, yeah, Tina, Satellite, uh, The Marionette, du- Duology, uh, The Greater Known. For me, they are um, the high spots of the album. There are a lot of stinkers on the album. It's, again, with a lot of Shikari albums that I've listened to, it's very much of a pick-out songs that I like, as opposed to it, listen to it as one fluid album. Modern Living. Modern Living feels like it was meant to be the non-single single. In a few years' time where people talk about um, Shukari's back catalogue and when you get to nothing is true and everything is possible, they'll say, oh, that had modern living on it. And I feel like, yeah, this is a song that the album meant to be remembered for. And I think a lot of it comes down to the, the like main chorus line or the main line was repeated. Uh, We're apocaholics drinking t- gin and tonics. What does that fucking mean? I, for me, I think it means like we just crave... Like, we, mankind, humans, uh, just crave ruining our own planet. But we're also using our privilege, I guess, just to drink gin, ignore it. Um, it's a very big political statement, if it is along that sort of thing. But I just think it's... It feels so... I don't want to say corporate, because I, even I know, Shikari are not a very... Corporate brand, they're very um, political. They're very forward-thinking. And You know, with a, a lot of respect for him for that. But I, it's a it's a type of phrase. We're apocryphalics, drinking tonics. I can see it printed on a line at River Island, or I don't know. Um, it's going to be on like in uh, Instagram and Twitter bios for like super edgy person. Yeah, I just feel like it's very very. It fits, a, it fits a certain kind of person. Um, which is cruel. A cruel thing to say. But. Pretty darn accurate in my opinion. So yeah. I think Modern Living is just a bit of a. Rue has always been very like hit and miss with his lyrics anyway. Sometimes he is brilliant. Um, and then other times you think. Someone in like year seven. Has read The Tempers for the first time. And wants to be the next Shakespeare. And that's Rue. So. I think this is a it was a bit of a it was a bit of a doozy this time uh, the king i feel like is trying to um, cram their entire discography into one song in the run-up to the album rue went on record in a, in an interview somewhere and said this is this is the one that a fan will pass to the mate like you don't know Shikari, this is where you start and i feel for the most part that is a bang on statement um i think this this album encapsulates the band sound up to and including common dreads I think like, tape to the skies, it's a bit too um intense to be represented here in Nothing's True. But, but yeah, the rest of the album I feel like it does take parts of even like parts of Common Dreads, because that was when they was finally started to, well not finally, it was only the second album, but that was Common Dreads is where they started putting in a lot more alt rock melodies into their post hardcore and that eventually evolved into Flash Flood and then I assume Minesweep. Um yeah, common to mind sweep i feel like it's like a very natural progression of their sound then you get to spark and then my idea of how they should be released but blah 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 um but yeah i feel like the album does a great job of representing parts of everything from common all the way up to the spark but then you get to the king and it feels like they're trying to do all that into one tight song how long is it? it doesn't really feel like it's a long song anyways i think it's true uh the king it's less than three minutes of 10 years worth of music and i like the, listen to it i'm reminded of songs like kel thumper uh snake pit gandhi make gandhi and yeah i just feel like it's it's a lot happening at once and yeah i just think it's a bit it's a bit toilet uh, crossing the rubicon I wrote wrote it down, and now that I think about it, I think it's a pretty harmless song, actually. Um, I just it's just very much not for me. I think it's a very twee, very very sweet kind of pop rock song. Um, sort of thing where I can see it on if we ever have a summer, um, like uh, fucking ice drinks or ice cream, or you hear it at like beach parties, that sort of thing. And, you know, that's fine for a song. It's just not for me. So, I think I rescind me slagging off, crossing Rubicon. I just think it's a song that's very much not for me. Um, interestingly, uh, well, the one, the song that's most interesting to me is Elegy for Extinction. Shikari have, like, built a career on doing weird and wonderful things. Um, they are, as much as, like, they're very hit and miss with myself, um, I don't know, they've got the people who really like Shikari, really fucking like Shikari. They have always been known to take chances and like explore different things. That's why they've like, not only are they like one of the few bands from that like electronical era that's still going, they're adapting electronical to fit around what's popular at the time. So they did, they had a phase of drum and bass, they had a a phase of um, rave, they had a phase of dubstep. Uh, with Spark, I feel like they went more the like, um, electro-pop and synth-pop stuff that was big at the time. And despite all that, I honestly feel like Elegy for Extinction is probably the most out-there song I've written. Um, it's a... how long is it again? It's just shy of four minutes, and it's just one big orchestra. It's an orchestral... Um, it's a classical, classical orchestra piece of music, Buck. And I don't know who it's for. Like, if they've had like the interlude tracks in album four, I think they have one on here, don't they? Isn't it? Well, they reprised th- reprise three. Um, they've got a song called "Apocalypse Anonymous," um, main theme from B minor. That's another reason why I feel like "Apocalypse" is meant to be the big catch from this album. Um. And they have, I can't remember what it's called on The Spark, but they have it on Spark. They've got like a two-parter thing on Common Dress as well. It's like A and B. Um, That one will bug me. It'll take me ages to find the one on The Spark. Um, Havoc. Havoc A and Havoc B. Um, They're like interlude songs as well, but they are electronic music. Even the one on Spark is very much, um, it's long, drawn-out notes. It's very um, ambient in that regard but i feel always feel like it fits it fits better to what shikari do because they are rooted in electronica whereas having a full orchestration i don't know if their core audience is really going to notice or care about an orchestral song um yeah like i have friends at work who are massive shikari fans and i don't think they're going to give a shit about a Bit of orchestral music in the middle of it. I don't know what kind of fan would be going for that kind of song. In Lutra I know people who like um, in Lutra because they bind albums together. You know, well, fair enough. I just don't think for Shikari a song like Elegy for Extension is is what they should be doing. Well, no, that sounds horrible. Never, no, no, not what they should not be doing. I just don't think it fits. I just don't think it. I don't know who it's for. I don't know who's gonna listen to nothing's possible and think or nothing is true and think you know, listen to it as an album, it bound the album together, it like made it one fluid piece of music, so yeah, I just thought it was like a, a really weird one and it I of all things she carried it this was the thing that really made me think it just does not belong. And there's a lot going on in this album. Um yeah, it's Again, for the album is a, in, in general, there's a lot of like good songs. now. I said it before, the Great Unknown, Tina, Satellites. Um, I like the Marionettes duology. Uh, Pressures on was pretty decent as well. But yeah, it's just it's just their greatest hits for me. I I feel like I'm just trying to think. Was I ever like a massive fan of I think like they they've always been like greatest hits. Like they come on on rock nights or even like the, a lot of the music from flash flood to spark pops up on indie nights as well now um you know the words you're singing along, you have a great time and i've seen us actually i've seen them live and they are fucking great live i just feel like with this it's just yeah just a few a few songs here and there the whole album like there's things on here for me basically i don't need the whole album i've got what i want from it i've got what i necessarily need from it. Um, and, yeah, I think Shikari fans are going to go batshit over it because I feel like they've got the kind of following now which are always going to love what they do. Um, like I said, there's a, there's bits on the album where it goes too much at one time. There's bits I don't think just really fit in right. There's It reminds me a lot of... There's a Waiting for Morning to Come by We Are The Ocean. Um, yeah, because that was the album that had loads of interlude tracks, and it just the songs on there were pretty decent. But there's so much interlude, like I just for me, I'm always impatient, so I just feel like to listen as one big beat of music, yeah, okay. But then when you spend more time waiting for the songs to start than you do, um, like taking it all in, it can be done well, but I just don't think they did it right, and I think it's the same here they're trying to really piece together like one fluid bit of music and yeah i just don't think i just don't think it's worked as well as i think they hoped it would but like i said there's a couple like really um, decent songs on there i'll still rep for the great unknown that's a fucking belter of a song and there are songs on here which are pretty harmless fun and there's some on there which are pretty harmless cack um there you go that's me it's the sixth album from Enter Shikari. It's called "Nothing Is True and Everything Is Possible." Um, it's still—I'm still happy when people say like names of British bands, and one of the first ones they say is Enter Shikari. I'm not going to be upset by that. I feel like Shikari are still quite a nice band and quite a nice name to have associated with um, like English or British music. I just have—I feel like very different likes and dislikes compared to a general uh, shikari output but there we go and when i say i have very different um preference for my output we're gonna be moving on now to a pirate folk band and i can't even remember how i found them um they're called ye banished privateers and is it meant to be the banished privateers because Y-E evolved to be the... That's, if you ever see, like, Ye Old Tavern, that sort of thing, it's called The Old Tavern. That's what Ye stands for. Um, or Ye means. I'm going to keep calling it Ye, purely because I've been watching a lot, I've been watching a lot of Josh Dub videos, and they all say Yeet a lot. And that's, again, I say Yeet a lot to begin with. Now it's going to be way worse when I go back to work, if I ever go back to work. But yes, anyway, history lesson for you. Uh, ye banished privateers, they're fourth album is called Hostis humani generis generis generi it's latin i think it means the enemy of the land or the enemy is the land i read it yesterday and i slept and so i've forgotten it but i know it's something it's very in keeping with the whole pirate theme and boy is his piratey it's the fourth album like i said they're from Umeå in sweden and like i said they're a pirate folk band they have an excess of 30 odd members and they the band came together under a like the few like forefathers of the band i guess you could say and they all came together under a mutual love of traditional irish and scandinavian folk music um which does oh, there in space they've got um mandolins jambers um accordions violins a bunch of instruments never heard of which are basically like smaller versions of guitars or larger versions of violins it's a it's a very organic sounding um folk sound and i think very in keeping to what and um, the kind of sounds you'd get from pirate times we'll get into uh lyrically it's also their, I think their entire discography, um, I imagine it is, is based around the happenings of the 17th and 18th centuries. And a lot of it is very classic pirate tales. So you've got um, William Kidd, you got Anne Bonny, Nassau and like the entire West Indies, you've got the British being assholes. Classic, normal, everyday things that happened um, during those times. From from the off, you are instantly in... Um, the world that eBanish privateers want you to be in. Um, opening song, no pray, no pay. It kind of cheats a bit. Um, it has like a sound effects of crashing of waves. I feel like if you didn't have that, you would instantly get the right mindset because of, like it starts with a little accordion jingle and then goes into like a very rhythmic drum beat, which is very much like a everyone's there clapping their hands, watching. People be really good at music, um, not like I am. And yeah, from then on, you would just, for how long is it 54 minutes, you just feel piratey. And it sounds so dumb, but my god, it's, it's just so well done. This entire, I guess, you, I guess it's a gimmick. This entire gimmick is done so much, so well. And I feel like it's because there's a lot of love in the gimmick. There is another very notable band who uses. Um, pirate aesthetic and they i comparatively between um these guys and them it feels like ebanish privateers have come into it said look we're going to be a pirate band if we're going to do it we need to really really do it so they've took it seriously they have got all the right components in like i've read that in interviews they will talk in pirate talk um they all dress up on stage it's 30 people in outfits and costumes the music i don't know how but we all have like a very like a rooted understanding of what pirate music would sound like or does sound like um like my the bulk of my pirate knowledge comes from playing assassin's creed black flag um and even before playing that I kind of knew what pirate music was. Um, But there's so much care and attention going into this outfit and this band. While still retaining the fact that they know they're all dressed up like fucking pirates. So they're they're taking it seriously but having a lot of fun with it. And I feel like based on that, the results they get in their music just sounds so better. Because they're actively trying and are allowing themselves to have fun with it. And yeah, I think the quality in what they come up with is just—it speaks for itself. Um, The wall of sound that they have behind the lead vocalist for "Hush Now, My Child" is fucking beautiful. Um, The imagery it creates—it just you're being—you're on a ship, uh, the sun's gleaming, you've got some rags which you think make you look cool. That those thoughts. Of what you would look like as a pirate, they come so easy and come so effortlessly when you listen to a song like "Hush Now, My Child." Um, Elephant Dance kind of reminds me a little bit of Flog and Molly, which I feel like is a very like. From the, if you haven't listened to the album, it's a very easy to say, "Oh, they sound like a that Celtic funk, uh, punk band." That comparison to other like Celtic punk or Celtic rock anything, it doesn't happen as often as often as you think. I think the only reason Elephant Dance was, I think the song reminded me of it was. Queen Anne's Revenge, which was... It's already a song about Blackbeard's ship anyway, so I feel like that's why I've made the connection there, but... Outside, um, comparisons don't happen as often as you think. This is this is why I think ye banished ye banish privateers do it so well, because they sound very them and very unique in how they execute what they want to do. Uh, rowing with one hand is the fucking dumbest shit... Um it's so much fun though. I feel like I'm gonna use the word fun a lot for the review, but it's so fucking silly. It sounds like your granddad has got really excited after having a few few too many bevs and it's like oh, it's fucking it's so stupid. It sounds nothing like that as well. I don't know why I got the tune fun, but it's fucking oh god, it's ridiculous. It's so much fun though. This album is just again, it feels like so much love's gone into it that you feel like you can, not exactly take the piss, but you can have a joke with it, and it'll have a joke back with you. And yeah, I just think it's brilliant for that. Um, One of the biggest like takeaways I got from it though was I love love the female vocalists in the band. Um, I I feel bad usually when I like want to single out a single member or a particular member i want to find out the names but with 30 odd people in the band i think that's five vocalists three male two female i think um and i don't know enough about the band say that one or that one or that one or that one but the female vocalists i was staggered i was fucking guffawed when i found out that that the female uh, vocalists aren't swedish aren't irish sorry I thought they would come from... Like, the accent on Blame the Brits... I thought the person singing that came from at least one of the islands. But the fact this is a Swedish band with Swedish members... I thought this was just fucking crazy. Because... The, the, vernac- oh, the... Vernacular... Is it just the accent? Is that just a, the fancy word for that? I guess the delivery of um, the lyrics in songs like um, Blame the Brits. That little twang... The vocalist has got it just sounds very Celtic and very in keeping with what I in my head folk music and pirate folk music would sound like. Um and then you get to the voice on Death of Bellows. It's fucking stunning that song and the performance on that. It chills you right down to your to your bones. Um and it doesn't help as well, so it's very like idyllic very quiet, very gentle kind of song. Um and when the chorus kicks in and it's um Ashes to Ashes, to Dust the uh vocalist in it is obviously being like very gentle and then backing her is just like a handful of the male vocalists and all being like it's oh. just fucking asmr levels there and i apologize if i've tricked anyone else's asmr it's unlikely because i don't have a delicate feature in my body but there we are um yeah fucking death of bellows is such a beautifully delivered song um blame the brits is as well but for completely different reasons uh it's just this whole album is stupid fun and i don't want them if they ever hear this review i don't want them to feel like me calling it stupid is a bad thing you there are certain albums where you just need to put on and think, I just know I'm going to have fun. I don't have to like, overthink it too much. I don't have to analyse the intricacies because I can't. It's folk music. I don't know enough about folk music. Um, you just want some music where it's going to give you a little pick-me-up. You can have like a little a whisk away in your imagination. I so wish I this album either this album came out or I knew about this band when I was playing Black Flag a few years back. As much as I love the music on that um, game, this would have been so much fucking better. And I think for an album like this, it's very important. In these trying times with lockdown, corona, having a leader whose mind is made of bubblegum. In these trying times, it's always important to remember that at one point in time, we could have been dealing with pirates. We could have been dealing with uh, theft, looting, crime, smelliness, um, scurvy, um, big old swords, rum the theft of tea and then think of that and then slap this on and then you realise how fucking cool that life would have been man I wish I was a pirate when I put eyeliner on I apparently look like a pirate which I've had to do for work a few times but that's not the point it's, it's fucking great this, it's, it's daft fun and again I don't want anyone to think that because I'm calling it things like Daft and Stupid I'm negative about it, I'm nothing about positive about this um, album looking at the track lists, I can't really think of a song that I've listened to and thought I didn't like that there are obviously songs I'm weaker on than others um, but no, it's just, it's fucking brilliant it's, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of fun, um, it's called Hostess Eye, Generis. i uh, buggered that up Um, but it's the fourth album from ye banished privateers a swedish pirate folk band um get on it it's a lot of fun we need fun right now um from okay so from that to another kind of party based music looking at one of the oldest like underground bands that i know of um oldest in that in a way of i've known about them longer than you know not that they're old they are called. This place is a zoo, and this is their third EP called Apathy. They're from Palmdale, California, and they are like a party deathcore kind of thing. Um, you got your party hardcore with like Cancer Bats, and every time I die, you got party death metal with Black Dahlia. And then we have party deathcore. It happens. Um, so yeah, I've been a- aware of this band for. A- a lot longer than I realised. They released a free EP in 2012. Um, literally called. This is a free fucking EP. Or oh, where's that effect. And. It was just mad shit. It was a time where I was like really trying to get in tune. To what kind of music I liked. And what kind of music I wanted to listen to. And. Um, yeah. From that EP. They had a cover of Duality. By Slipknot. And it largely kept to the source material because uh because of the fact that this place is a zoo have like an electronic electronic element in there and those little bits and having um the little pulses of electronic came quite natural the biggest difference was obviously um versus that sort of thing follow the more hardcore ethos where it was um, screen vocals and very much in your face. The mixing for the band at the time was very, very weird. Um, it, it always felt like they were constantly trying to fight at who's gonna be like the biggest sound in, at any one point in time. Um, the other song from the EP was the Duality cover was actually pretty decent. I really liked it. The other song from the time that they were really big on was Super Devil Juice. I feel like that was going to be their lead single for life at that point. I know a lot of like coming bands have that one single that they push the heavens. Um, I feel like it's Super Devil Juice purely because I think it got released three times? I think it was the lead single up until the EP got released, and then the EP released with it on, and then they released a re-recording of it as well, so I feel like um, Super Devil Juice was like their song for a while, and it was a great song Um, really bouncy kind of like a new metal vibe in there, but at, at the time, the hardcore influence in their music was a lot bigger than it is now so it was very like, bouncy, hardcore, death metal sort of stuff. Um, I kind of feel like it was a bit rooted in like New York kind of hardcore, if we're going to be really, really niche. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun at the time. Uh, afterwards, they released, uh, they released another EP They go straight to the album. Boop. No, so they had um, the EP in 2012. They released an EP in 2014 called People Movers. The debut album came out in June twenty fifteen, it was called Strangers. They released an EP the following year called An Even Better Time and then they went kinda quiet and then they've released Apathy. So here they are, here they are. Said the same thing twice. Um in Apathy then the sound remains very them. Um listen to them back then because I only really listened to that EP. Listen to that EP and then listening to Apathy. You can definitely tell they are the same band. Um it's that very weird electronica on top of very hardcore inspired or hardcore rooted deathcore Um, now though I feel like it's very much more refined, songs feel like they have a lot more structure riffs have a lot more groove in them I'm thinking like that transition to No Time to Bleed into The Black Crown when um, Suicide Silence riffs got very much slower and a bit more groovier I think this has got more that kind of estate to it aesthetic into it and I think there's a lot more that goes on to the songwriting nowadays when it was back then you could tell there were like a bunch of young kids trying to make music for maybe the first time now though I feel like more thoughts going into like this bit should go here this bit should go there we should do this and this part and etc 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 I think that's just yeah I think just a bit more intelligence behind uh, their music now it's it's a, 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 a it's an explosive start with the EP and the song The Albatross. I feel like it's like a habit for them. The first song on their releases are always like the in-your-face hardcore shit. Um, and Albatross as well. It's like this blaring, blasting hardcore. Um, it's got these like weird pulses. of. Initially I put... Um, like imagine getting like a sci-fi game on the PlayStation 2 in the early days. A sort of like electronic, futuristic sort of shit now though it kind of reminds me of like gran turismo on the playstation one um i only say that because it's like the well well it reminds me a lot of like the matrix style futuristic um sci-fi future sort of stuff that everyone in the 2000s was like really on board with or really obsessed with um so that's a nice little callback i think it's I don't know if it's meant to sound like that or not but i feel like it's a, a cool like different way of sounding um electronics in hardcore or deathcore whatever you want to call this and yeah in terms of like, their songwriting again it's eight years since i listened to them so yeah it's gonna be a huge gap in what how they would have written songs then and how people would have perceived them to now and yeah i still like albatross is like a really really cool way to start the ep i feel like the EP's- ended really well to the final song on the album, a uh, final song on the EP, uh, "On Becoming Dirt." It's got this like really, really great speed metal riff um, about a quarter of the way through, and that's trading off with some uh, really intense drum fills. It then goes on to have like a bit more of a like melodic hardcore section in the riffs, and that's a bit more central in the song. And so yeah, Albatross and On Becoming Dirt are two pretty decent songs. The song in the middle. I like that. The stuff in the middle is pretty, like, middle of the park kind of stuff. Feed Me Lies is a little bit better than Poppycock and The Hate We Bring, but, yeah, the rest of the songs are very much just, like, very standard. It's has some nice riffs in there, some nice moments, um, enough to rack your head to. Um, I did, like, a cursory glance at the debut album, Strangers, um, so comparing apathy to strangers the production and the mix is so so much better on apathy um again whereas before they were very like frenetic at best we'll say um the mix back then was very much a who could get who like I think everyone was just set the same and it was a case of if you if you play loud you're you're heard more if you play quiet you're gonna be sit at the back whereas now I feel like, yeah, more thoughts gone up into production. People are layered better. People know when to drop off and come back in again. Um, vocalist Charlie War sounds like he's got way more control over his voice nowadays. Back then, it was a case of it just sounded very, very frantic screaming, whereas now it's it feels like... It's still screaming, it still growls, but it feels like he's got more control and he's not hurting himself. Um and I think he sounds a lot better. It's... It's very very again it's very middle of the road the ep um i feel like going back to it it was more like a nostalgia sort of things like i said they're one of one of the first well a band i was listening to when i was first getting into what i like and dislike about music from that time period and um yeah it's just very middle-of-the-road stuff as again that's a lot to like bang your head to it's not there's nothing groundbreaking I definitely prefer this kind of this place as a zoo with the better song. It's again, it's much better songwriting. Um, I feel like they know how to deal with music now and how to write music a lot better. The production's improved massively, and I hate the term. It sounds like such a wanky thing to say, but I do think they've matured as a band and as individuals. Obviously, it's eight years difference from what I'm listening to them beforehand. And yeah, I also feel like it's just that part is kind of deathcore. It's just not something I'm into anymore. Like back then, when I was trying to find every genre that ever existed, I probably would have been a bit more into it. But nowadays, just you just you, it's just as natural you find out what you like and dislike. So it's very, very mid and road stuff. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's the change, the changes in the sound and changes in the songwriting would make me want to pick up a. Or maybe wanna to listen to the an album of this and I feel like there would be a handful of songs I could take away, like what I did with but this, Shikari, that sort of thing. This is when they come out with an album next year that can rival Code Orange. Yeah, bastards. Um yeah. For me, it's just a style of music that I'm not particularly fond of. Um for what it is, I suppose it's very good. It's very middle of the road for me personally. And but I just know that there's still like a very cult following for this like pie style deathcore, and it was nice to like revisit a band that I haven't really thought about um, for a while. Um, the EP it's called As am Playing with a Teabag. The EP is called Apathy, kind of ironic, uh, and the band is called uh, This Place is a Zoo. I don't like giving particularly negative reviews to like small, very small, or smaller bands. Um, and I tried to um, rephrase it where it's not overly negative saying you're shit because like saying a band like Green Day are shit they're never going to listen to me and they already know what kind of music they're going to make anyways but for smaller bands when you uh, particularly consider how much effort goes into making music and for me like can you see it behind me my microphone might be in the way that's gonna mean sound shit for um audio listeners. But I've got a bass guitar behind me and it's just gathering dust and then there's me saying, Your music isn't sound like proper and it's just fucking uh, Yeah, but if I chose to try and be trying review music, I've gotta be in I've gotta say stuff. Yes. We're gonna move on to the final album of the week. God help me. I just wanna I wrote myself in, I've talked myself into a corner then, didn't I? But it's cool because we're going to end on high. It is the ninth, staggering ninth. We don't often get to those sort of albums, do we? The ninth studio album from the Orlando-based Titans, I guess you could say at this point. Um, It's Trivium. It's the album you've all heard. You've all know exactly what you think about it. And you all know how fucking brilliant it is. But I'm going to tell you as well. Um, It's called What the Dead Men Say. Trivium have had what could best be described as a tumultuous existence. Um, You had like the early promise of um, Ember to Inferno. You had like the next big thing label attached to him with Ascendancy and a little bit with the Crusade. Um, You had like a big when Vengeance Falls came out it was always a case of I I heard them so much considered like what could have been Um, and I remember them being compared to the likes of um, bullet for my Valentine, and this fucking. Looking back now, it's ludicrous to think they were ever compared to a Bullet in the. Oh, they could have been really, really big. They should have been headlining Download. Don't know why I went Kermit then. Um. So yeah, they went from like what could have been, and then the fucking comeback they had on the Sin in the Sentence, um, and now what dead men, what the dead men say. Um. It's astonishing, and so good to see, and it's also really good to see that along the way. Of all, like, because the middle section from Crusade into Shogun, into In into Vengeance Falls, they were always like, in terms of how they were received, it was already up and down um, kind of reviews. But along the way, no matter how much that we were saying, like, oh, this should have been bigger, or this is like the next best thing, or whatever, it was always a case of that. I always felt that Trivium were being respected. Um, every time they said this album is just not what Trivium should be making it's a it's not what we want to hear and it's such a shame but i'm still gonna listen to the next Trivium album because i feel like they can draw it back it was it was really like looking back it was so nice to see so many people like reviews critics um just general music listeners every time Trivium would release something and it maybe wasn't up to scratch but like okay but we're still gonna like listen to them next time or we're still going to watch them live or There's always going to be something that, like, there's always going to be a following for Trivium, basically, and I just think that's so rare. Like, you can look at a lot of other bands where they make a shit, excuse me, they make a shit album, and then that's it. They just drop off, and either they split up, or like people just stop listening to them, or they say they're shit, and there's no comeback. I'm probably guilty of it as well, Um, but with Trivium, it was always a case of everyone always supported them. If, like, they released what was perceived as a shit album, people still say it's a shame, but we're still gonna go watch them live, we're still gonna um, buy their shit, we're still gonna be there for them. And that, yeah, it was really, really cool to see because I don't really think you get many um, bands that do that ever. And in terms of like Trivium's sound, that like they've always wanted or they always seemed willing to experiment with the sound um you know in the crusade and in science in the snow they went full or oh, next to full uh, clean vocals i know for science in the snow it was for a lot of it was down to the medical reasons because i think um matt blew his vocal vocals out so there's an asterisk with asterisk with that but then they went very melodic with that about with that album anyways um on vengeance falls they had david draymond come in and have like a very different style of production for their album in terms of like just the genres they play with, they've been melodic metal with the Crusade, and especially Silence in the Snow. They went ve- very metalcore in Remember to Inferno, Ascendancy, and I th- think in Waves as well. I'm gonna throw that in there. Um, then they went very thrash on uh, Shogun and the in the Sentence. I think there's like a prog element in both of them as well. The mellow death in the Silence and Sentence as well. You know, you look you compare it to other bands who. Like, on one side, who have tried new things, it didn't work, and then it went back again. Suicide Silence, and then bands who have just done the same thing for years and years and years. Like at the same time, I tried to squeeze in a Black Dahlia Murder review on this episode, but I just haven't listened to it enough. And I can't comment too much because, like Trivium, I've listened to everything except from Vengeance, no, from Ember to Infernal and Vengeance Falls. Um, so there's like a long back catalogue of Trivium and like the evolution of the sound that I've listened to whereas Black Dahlia Murder I've only heard snippets of albums in the last I think the last three albums <coughs> excuse me and so I don't want to comment on like whether or not them playing like pretty much the same kind of sound for, year, for album after album album is good or, good or not because I don't know how well or not they've done it but you've got the bands who just like stick to one thing over and over again and as soon as they like Try to go out of it, then like they hit a roadblock and go back again. But then Trivium were always like, we want to try this. If you don't like it, we're probably going to do it again. You know, look at the transition from you went from Ascendancy, which is a big metalcore thrash metal album, and they went to Crusade, which is very melodic heavy metal, melodic metalcore. And they were like, we don't like it. You need to go back to Scream It's like, okay, we're going to go back, but we're going to go back to Shogun, which is this big monolithic heavy metal album and then they went back a slightly, mel- slightly more metal corey to in waves and then you know like silence in the snow everyone's like you're being too melodic it's like okay we're still going to use um clean vocals but now we're going to use it in a melodic death metal album in the sin-, sin sentence so I just yeah I just really love the fact that Triven wants to make they don't want to be pigeonholed as one style of music forever I feel like they have got a lot more creativity than I think um, people give them credit for. And I follow Paolo and I follow Matt on social media, and you can just tell, you can tell from like the whole band actually, um, from interviews, from pictures, from just their like, at the end of the year, they all post like their favorite albums. There's always sort of like um, heavy metal and extreme metal and um, heavy rock albums. These are heavy metal fans playing heavy metal. You compare that to, like, say, Metallica. Yeah, their, their early career was very. We listened to New Wave of British heavy metal sort of stuff. But then that mid 90s stuff, they got way more into the bluesy side of Deep Purple, um, Credence Clearwater Revival, um, Leonard Skinner, that kind of thing. So, what they were listening to and what they enjoyed just well like a different side of what they enjoyed made it sway into the music whereas these guys they all fucking love heavy metal and that's what they want to be they want to play heavy metal they want to be heavy metal like they're bringing in Alex Bent who is a who's previously in a brutal death metal out, um, outfit you don't really play a brutal death metal if your favourite band is fucking um, Fleetwood Mac although if I found out his favourite band is Fleetwood Mac I'm just going to look like a right dickhead um, so yeah And like, you watch Matt Heafy on Twitch and he's got like a three, four hour long stream. Two two hours of it's just him playing through his his own songs to practice. And he's, fuck me as he improves as a guitarist. Like, I've tuned into some of those streams and he's just insanely good at pretty much anything he does. He's a bastard for that. But then, so that's two hours of him practicing his songs to like really, really get acquainted with it and just practice riffs. And then like an hour or two afterwards it's just him dicking around and playing songs that aren't his, but it's just he's just trivia triviuming them. That's actually really hard to say. And yeah, it's it's just it's a very rooted thing about the kind of style of music you want to do because it's it's very them. It's a, the trivium as a band are like the entire band wear themselves on the sleeve. And yeah, for that I just really, really enjoy it and it, it because of that i think the music of being heavy comes more naturally and it feels more organic when you've got that um so yeah in terms of the music itself for what the dead men say the big draw for me from the cylinder sentence was this huge melodic death metal influence and a lot of that came from alex as i said a minute ago um, you've got bits on like the pre-chorus and chorus on the ones we leave behind Pretty much the entire of The Defiant and Amongst the Shadows and Stones. Um, Amongst the Shadows the, the, the way that sounds like, Bloody blah, 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 blah. Up in your grill. It's fucking insane. And it's such an intense way to open a song. That's like, what, track four or something? And the, the union Alex has in his drum rolls with, like, to, to work with Paolo to make such a cool um rhythm section to so then work with matt and Corey for the wrist and how to make them sound like crunchier and faster and better and even the points where like matt and Corey are doing like iron maiden style dual guitar harmonies it's just unreal because then you've got this rhythm section in the background that's also going 19 to the dozen whilst making matt and Corey sound so good and that melodic death metal stuff in it and like the wrists that they use and like the, the song structures it's so fucking great how they do it i had a few reminders as well as well of silence in the snow and for me personally it's not a bad thing i quite liked silence in the snow i think i'm i'm definitely in the minority when it comes to that but i really really like the album uh Bleed Into me is a big melodic heavy metal song which i think is really really good um the opening riff and the verses of the ones we leave behind reminds me a lot of the title track from Silence. And there's a few little bits of the Catastrophist as well that kind of sounds a bit Silence in the Snowy. On the Catastroph- the Catastrophist, I really like, um, in the pre-chorus bit, Matt uses, the way Matt sings, it's like strained and it sounds like... It's almost like his screams but without distortion, has stupid as to say it's like this really strange like slightly high pitched i can't do it myself but i can't remember the lyric he sings but it's it's so different than what i've heard matt sound like but i love it for that reason it's just he's adding more what he can do to his vocals and as a result of that adding more ways where Trivium can sound different while still being very heavy i think it just yeah it just works so so fucking well um and it's the first time in a long time I've really noticed like the backing vocals on a Tribune record and backing screams to uh, in the arc to fear and the defiant those cleans on the back of um, what the dead men say I think um, Paolo and Corey backing up uh, Matt to make him sound brilliant but to also add that extra uh, drama, that finesse to the band's sound um, it makes a very organic-sounding wall of sound to the music and just makes the band and the band's sound sound even bigger than it already is. And, yeah, I just couldn't. After a while, it's one of those things, but when you notice it once, you notice it over and over and over again for each subsequent song. And then when you restart the album, you hear, it, oh, shit, I missed it on this song and this song and this song. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone on the album just is doing a such a brilliant job and such a solid job um yeah it's it's fucking phenomenal's record it's it's so so good and for me i've heard for years like who or like what bands or what artists are going to be the ones to take over from metallica from iron maiden from Judas priest and from all these long standing heavy metal acts which we still book in big slots for festivals which we still um, rely on to year and year to produce the big albums if the first answer to who should take over from headlining download or who should take over from headlining bloodstock or like who should when you say to people oh i've got a friend who wants to get into heavy metal but modern what should we give them if your first answer to like take over from like those big bands isn't trivium i just don't know what's going on I know there's a big ar- argument for Ghost as well Fair Fucks, but if you want just proper like Ghost has got the wrong shit going on, but just for for my, my opinion just proper heavy metal for like a defining kind of heavy metal like Metallica, I feel like when you say heavy metal, they are the go-to. I know there's like bands that came beforehand and there's always the, the argument between Maiden and Metallica. For me, a Metallica guy. When you say heavy metal for me, I'd go Metallica, and I feel like for the future, when like next generation is saying like I want to get to heavy metal, they'll like, say okay, Trivium. I think Trivium should be the next legacy band for the genre and for the scene in general. Um, I just think they are a really good representative. They know heavy metal. They understand heavy metal, and. They're just a couple of really cool dudes, and they like shitting on Trapped, um, which apparently is a thing now. So, you know, people are pretty much on board with shitting on Trapped right now, so good for them. And, yeah, that will about do it. For this week, you've had reviews for Enter You Banished Privateers, The Place of the Zoo, and Trivium. And there will not be an episode next week, nor for the forthcoming month or so, um... I have to move out of my apartment and it's a lot of it is down to this COVID stuff and a lot of it's down to my landlord being an absolute prick um, and this house is shit. Um, the plan was, so I, my tenancy runs out on the 8th of June. The plan was to sort of like delay it until the end of the month and then move on my shit out then. And in the meantime, I was going to try and think of um, like non-time sensitive content, even though most of the albums I've listened to um, have been out for a few months. Um, I was going to try and just get something recorded and then just release it over time and hopefully fill the gap but I'm now moving out this Saturday instead and it's Thursday so I've got two days to pack up and move oh fuck me it's going to suck so oh, come back so yeah um, it's not too much hassle I'm just going to go back to doing written reviews again which I did um, when I moved here back in December so Next couple of weeks it's just gonna be written reviews on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so do go follow me on there at Desolation Pod. I might even try to set up a website or blog of some kind just to put this like in one fluid place, but there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment and a lot of financial uncertainty, especially, so we'll see how that goes. Um but yeah, please do stay please do still stick around um my english is much improved and yeah it's just nice to talk about music and i would like to i'd love to hear what you think about um anything i reviewed this week anything i reviewed in the past anything that i'm going to review in the next few weeks or so so as i said at desolation pod remember stay inside help the nhs overthrow your government the next possible um chance and i will see you soon take care